This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c everyone. Welcome to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mona, where each week I hope to educate and inspire you in your journey through parenthood with information on your most common concerns as a parent and interviews with fellow parents and experts in the field. My hope is you leave each week feeling more educated, confident, and empowered in the decisions you make for your child. Hello, welcome to this week's episode where I have Dr. Erin, who owns her own pediatric dental practice in Pittsburgh and has her own Instagram as well, Dr. Underscore E-R-I-N. And she's joining me today so that we can chat about dental health for your children. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Erin. Hi, thank you for having me. So first, tell me a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you own your own private practice, where that's at, what you do, and why you love being a pediatric dentist. Sure. Yeah. So I, as you said, I'm located in Pittsburgh, right in the middle of the city in the shady side area. If anyone's familiar, I own a boutique pediatric dental practice. So boutique meaning that we really focus on each and every kid and really take our time with each and every kid. Very individualized, um, not very overwhelming with tons of families in the office all at once. So it makes for a really calm, uh, positive experience for the kids. Um, yeah, so I own that office and I just love, love, love being a pediatric dentist. It's so much fun. Kids are amazing and they just make the day so exciting because you never know what you're going to get with kids. So, but it always makes it so much fun. They're just such a bright ray of sunshine and all of the craziness that can be going on. So I love it. And they're just so fresh and eager to please usually and um, really easy to kind of mold and shape and soak in all the info um, in obviously a kid-friendly way. So it's just really, really fun. I agree with you completely that they are amazing. Obviously why I'm on the other side as a pediatrician. And, you know, obviously I'm very happy that we can do this today. It's funny, as a general pediatrician, the one thing I don't do is teeth, right? So families will come in and they'll say, well, doctor, can you take a look at my child's molar or something? And I'm like, I could, but I'm not trained in that. There's actually a completely different specialty for your teeth. And it's so funny because we deal with every other part of the body. And I, people, parents are always confused why I can't do an exam on their teeth. And I tell them it's a whole different school. And so I'm really happy that we can talk about this. I'll talk about everything pediatric dentistry today. Thank you. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's so funny because my one of my sisters is a pediatrician. So I know firsthand that um, she gets those questions all the time. And we always say that pediatric dentists are like the pediatricians of the mouth. There's a reason why there's a specialty just for kids teeth. So I'm so happy to be here today and share some of that info. Awesome. So yeah, the first question that I obviously get is when should a parent take their child to the dentist? How early? Yeah. So our recommendation from that I follow from the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry is either within six months of their first teeth coming in or by age one. So um, we really want to get them in nice and early so that they are getting used to coming to the dentist regularly. And then also just making sure that everything is growing and developing okay, um, answering any questions that parents have, um, going over toothbrushing techniques and um, diet and nutrition advice. So it really does start early. As you said, um, you know, that's just how schooling is in med school. You don't get a lot, um, or even in pediatric residency for uh, physicians, you don't get a lot of dental stuff. So we are the ones who are going to be able to give the parents that needed information. And how often would a child come? Just say, uh, you know, they come at one year. How often would you recommend them coming to the dentist after that one year mark? Every six months, just like us adults are supposed to do, especially for kids because they are growing and changing so rapidly. We want to make sure that all these changes are within normal and that they're getting um, specific teeth at certain times and that they're coming in, um, you know, kind of in the right way. So we want to make sure that they are coming every six months. Awesome. And obviously the visits are important, like you said, for education, because <laughs> a lot of my families, you know, at the six or at the one year mark, they're like, well, doctor, what are they really going to be doing there? I'm like, well, they do a lot of education and they just get you comfortable with brushing your child's teeth, with why it's important, with a little more than what we can do as general pediatricians. So I agree. It is it is an important thing to start to see the dentist. But when um, they go to the dentist, obviously, you're going to give them the education. When should the parents start to brush the child's teeth? Obviously, just say that they're waiting until one to come to you guys. When mm -hmm. should they start to brush or floss even? So brushing quote unquote, technically should happen even before teeth come in. You want to use a gauze or a wet washcloth and kind of just rub over those thumbs, mostly so that um, the kids are getting used to having fingers and hands in their mouth. Um, but then as soon as teeth come in, you want to start actually brushing them using either one of those silicone finger brushes or um, a regular toothbrush, a very small head toothbrush brushing those teeth as soon as they come in. Um, we usually don't start using toothpaste until about one year old, but start brushing those teeth because as soon as teeth come in, the bacteria that like to cause cavities um, love hard tissue. So they're going to cling right onto the teeth as soon as those things come in. And there's no cutoff age for when cavities can start. As soon as teeth come in, cavities can form if we're not taking care of them. So it's really important to start brushing right away, actually. And is there certain brands of toothpaste that dentists recommend? I'm sure people see all the commercials and I doubt that's really real. But like, in terms of as a pediatric <laughs> dentist, do you have any sort of recommendation on brands or how much toothpaste to use? You know, obviously, when they start to begin to use it? 
Yeah, so I don't have a particular brand recommendation per se. My concern more so is, um, and I know this is a hot topic and that we'll probably get into a little bit later, but um, at H1, we really do want to start using a fluoride-based toothpaste because fluoride, here's the thing, it's a naturally occurring mineral. And when teeth come in, they're not completely mineralized or hardened all the way. So we actually want to kind of take advantage of that and input in this additional fluoride to help strengthen those teeth. Now at H1, we're literally only using a tiny little smear the size of a grain of rice. That is it. Um, whether you decide to use a fluoride-based toothpaste or not, that's all you should be using. Um, so then in that case, if and when they swallow a bit of it, it's really, really, really not a big issue because we're using such a small amount. Yet some is still contacting those teeth to help to strengthen them. Um, so brand-wise, it's not a really big deal, just making sure you get that fluoride in. Um, and then I think you had also asked about flossing, when we should do that. Flossing should occur um, right when teeth touch. So as more and more teeth come in, you want to try to get some floss in there. You can even use like those little flossers, those little floss sticks, and get um, that floss in between there. Is it going to be perfect? Is brushing going to be perfect? No, but the goal is to at least attempt and try to do these things to help to keep the kids teeth healthy. Yeah, and at the end of this conversation, we will talk about ways to hopefully help your child at home and also <laughs> at the dentist to help them with that habit of brushing. But talking a little bit more about fluoride, I agree with you that there is a lot of fluoride fear. Um, you know, parents, in when they come to our office, we actually do fluoride varnish, which I'm sure <laughs> you guys do as well. And for any of you who are not familiar with that, it's basically what she's describing, that sort of small amount of a of that fluoride paste that we put on the mouth, um, sorry, on the teeth. And we do that every six months in our pediatric offices until they see the dentist. Uh, right. And, you know, I do recommend it. It's, it's obviously fine to use safety wise. I mean, obviously fluoride from your, from the pediatric standpoint, from the AAP, but also from the uh, pediatric dentistry standpoint, safety is okay, correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, like I said, fluoride is a naturally occurring mineral. And just like anything out there, you can have too much of a good thing. So that's why we recommend that you stick to these guidelines that we're telling you. And then in that case, um, it will benefit the kid and they'll actually they'll be fine if a little bit does get followed as long as you're within those guidelines. Does it matter if so, you know, some communities have fluoride in their water, some don't, you know, if they're using well water or whatever it may be. Does it matter whether there's fluoride in the water and then adding on that dent, the amount that you get in toothpaste or no? It's, it's a small so, amount. So that's a great question. So um, there's been lots of studies and this recommended amount actually somewhat takes into account that most places mm -hmm. do have fluoride in the water. So um, still using that amount that we recommend that um, size of a grain of rice for about one to three years old, three to six, and use a pea-sized amount. Um, and that kind of takes into account that most places do have fluoride in the water. Now, um, there are still areas around that don't have fluoride in their water. And um, a lot of pediatric dentists uh, still do, or at least used to, recommend um, like fluoride drops to add into their water or a fluoride supplement. But in my case, I found that by using a fluoride toothpaste um, and when they get old enough, using a fluoride mouth rinse, uh, even without having fluoride in the water that we know of, <laughs> um, it's usually enough to protect those teeth. 
because flor again, fluoride is naturally occurring, so you're probably picking it up in other places. If you have a frozen meal um, and you just throw into the oven or the microwave, that's probably been cooked previously with water that has fluoride in it. Like we're picking it up from all other places. It occurs in some tea leaves and things like that. So we're probably still picking it up little places. So just that little amount is fine. Good. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. I want to go to the comment you said about cavities. Um, is there anything that predisposes a child to get cavities? Obviously behaviors that the family may doing genetics um, and, you know, in your, in your expertise, is there anything that is preventative for cavities? Sure. So that is a very good question. The, actually, I would say the smallest component of getting cavities is the genetic side of things. And when I say genetics, I'm talking more so about essentially the type of bacteria that you have in your mouth, but more so um, jaw structure. Like if you have a tiny little jaw, then your teeth are going to be very crowded or overlapped, which can lend to not being able to get down in there and get the bacteria out from in between those teeth. So that's more so the genetic portion of it. But the bigger things come from what we're eating and drinking and how we're taking care of our teeth. Um, so obviously, like we already mentioned, going to the dentist twice a year, every six months, getting that fluoride varnish. Um, and that helps to, if we see something small starting, we can do other preventative type of things to really help that from getting larger, becoming an issue. Um so there's that portion. And then, like we said, talking about what we're eating and drinking at home. Obviously, we all know to minimize the amount of sugars that our kids are eating and drinking. 
But the thing that I harp on the most at my office are the liquid versions of sugar, juices and the chocolate milks and the iced teas, flavored iced teas. And um, just anything that can really get in those nooks and crannies, that's what's going to give you the big so, and I mean, USA AP recommends that kids under one shouldn't even be having juice anyway, but you know, it, it happens a lot. Um, so really just keeping those down can help to prevent cavities a lot. Water and white milk or almond milk if the kids are, um, you know, lactose intolerant or allergic to milk are going to be the best things for, for our teeth. Yeah. And, um, you know, as obviously in my office, I see a lot of parents with, you know, they'll be propping the bottle in, you know, the baby's bottle, whether it's formula or um, obviously juices, like you said, agreed that the American Academy of Pediatrics and even myself really like to limit a lot of sugary drinks. And I just say, don't even offer it in the first place, because exactly. if they don't ever taste it, they won't ever miss it. So exactly. just from the beginning, it's a little little side note <laughs> from the pediatric dentist and the general pediatrician, just don't introduce sugary drinks. They have no They don't know what value. they're missing. Yeah, and right. there's just no nutritional value. It's just not good for our teeth. Maybe as they get older, right. if you decide to do it as like a treat basis in terms of at a mm-hmm. party, but I agree with that concept for dental health and just overall medical health because sugar drinks just have no no utility for us. So I wanted to ask, you know, one of the common things is how do I get my toddler, my, you know, the toddler that's flailing their arms around, how can I show them how to brush or help them brush? Should I pin them down? What are my options and what would you recommend? Sure. So it gets tricky because every child is different. So there are some one and two-year-olds who literally will just open wide and let you get in there. Is it the norm? No. But it does happen. Um, but for the most part, I would say the biggest thing is modeling. So if they have an older sibling that they just adore, have that older sibling brushing alongside of them so that the um, so that your little one, your toddler, can see, oh, this is like a normal thing. Everyone does this. Um, that, or even you as a parent, you know, they're going to probably do what you do. They're going to want to try it. So I recommend that first, having someone um, kind of show them, like, oh, look, I'm brushing too. And then they can, the little one can kind of do, quote, unquote, their brushing, which is probably going to be mostly chomping and doing on the toothbrush. And then parents can kind of go over top of it. If that doesn't work, I like to also recommend trying to brush um, coming from behind or from the side of the kids. So instead of standing face to face with them and kind of dabbing the toothbrush in their mouth, come from behind or the side, almost like you're giving them a little side hug. Um, and then um, your one arm kind of wrapping around them and then the arm with the toothbrush coming around from behind or beside. And that usually gives a much better angle to get in there. Singing a song while you're doing it or having... Um, something playing on YouTube that they can watch while you're doing it. It's really fun. There's all kinds of apps from, I think Colgate has a really fun app um, that's two minutes long that has songs that can help you help the kids kind of be distracted at two minutes of brushing in. Um, if that doesn't work, then I recommend trying in the bathtub when they're already getting other stuff done. A lot of kids really like brushing in the bathtub when they're already, you know, getting cleaned up anyway. Try brushing in there. 
Um, you can also try almost sitting Indian style with your child on top of your lap and your legs kind of over top of their wiggly legs. And again, have their head kind of cradled almost in your shoulder um, or like underarm, armpit area, giving them a gentle hug with one arm and then bringing that toothbrush around. Again, that's kind of from the back of the side and that gets a good angle in there. So it's not really pinning them down per se, but it is just keeping those arms and legs from all over the place. Usually one of those will work, even um, laying laying them kind of on a bed or on a chair, kind of um, almost in a knee-to-knee position. You can even try having your partner or your spouse um, help you <laughs> and laying um, the kiddo back into their lap and then having um, the one who has the head in their lap get the toothbrush in the mouth. That actually helps a lot too. That's kind of how we do it at the office. I agree. I, you know, I'm happy because I obviously don't love the pinning down method to brush teeth. I just, I, I've heard it. Exactly. Obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And it, obviously I know if you are listening and you've done this, done the pin down method, I'm not saying that you're, this is an awful thing, but it can be scary obviously. And if the, if you're doing all those methods that Dr. Aaron said, which I think are beautiful and they're just resistant to it, you keep repeating and trying and trying and trying until they do one of those methods, right? It's not worth it to scare them to the point of pinning them down and, you know, like a, like a, like a scary thing because it's just not worth that sort of break of trust. And I agree. It's if you're, if you miss one or two, the fact that you're just repeating and giving it a shot every day. Um, and you recommend, obviously you said twice a day, right? Brushing. Yes. Yep. Yep. I recommend at least trying twice a day. But like you said, I agree. You have to keep trying and you can try different methods each time. One day they might respond to one thing and the next day they hate it. So you try a different method. But the key is to try not to make it scary, but keep doing it so that they realize this is something that we kind of have to do and that we're going to do. And that will help prevent cavities, which could be more scary than brushing teeth out. One of my favorite things about being a mama pediatrician is discovering new brands that I love for Ryan. Our go-to brand is Lark Adventure Wear. Their clothes are made by a fellow mama and use a special bamboo cotton blend. So it's soft, stretchy, and UPF 50 to help protect skin during the day and keep Ryan cool both day and night. If you follow me on Instagram at Pete's Doc Talk, you'll see Ryan in their adorable footy pajamas. We've been buying them since Ryan was a newborn and continue to buy them as he grows. And we love the rompers for daywear and they were nice enough to pass along a special discount to all of you you can use code pedsdoc 15 at checkout to save 15 percent off your first order go to larkadventurewear.com to shop and link is available in my show notes and you know the the motto that i have for parenting and we've spoken about this um patience and persistence right and that yeah. goes with everything that you'll do right potty training introduction of solids like food eating uh obviously brushing obviously being patient in the sense that it's not going to mm-hmm. happen tomorrow. It may exactly. not. It, it's awesome if it does. And the persistence that, hey, if they don't do it, you keep trying. And it's you're going to feel like a bro- broken record as a parent. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunately the reality of parenting. And I think from my perspective in my office, people give up with the brushing because they're like, well, my child doesn't like it. I'm like, well, they don't like it because it's new and it's different. But if you model behavior, like you said, it'll happen. I use the example of like when I give ba- like bats, right? Kids will freak out with bats, yeah. like initially. But if you just control your facial expressions when it's happening as a parent, 
You don't get scared like, oh my God, you like it. <laughs> smile, smile and say, it's okay. And then uh -huh. they'll do it, right? And then- Yep, they, laugh they and sing. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. It's exactly that. And I, I think, you know, whether it's brushing or any sort of activity you need your child to do, having a positive face as a parent and being patient and repetitious with that behavior, it'll go a long way. So I love it because people, it doesn't have to be the struggle. And I think that's what parents get into this sort of power struggle and it does mm -hmm. not have to be at all. So absolutely love that. Now, one other common question I get is, and they'll come to us and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a general pediatrician. I'm not your dentist, but let's figure this out. What to do, two kind of parts, but first is what to do if the tooth, if a tooth falls out, um, you know, where do I go? Do I need to put it in milk? Like all these things that they've heard. So what would be your recommendation if, you know, a tooth falls out? Okay, sure. So we have to first consider, is it a baby tooth or an adult tooth? Um, if they are five, six, then there's a very good chance that um, that was a loose tooth anyway, a baby tooth that was on its way out naturally, um, and that the adult tooth is wanting to come in. That's about, we still say the average age is about six when adult teeth come in. Um, you know, we've been seeing kids younger and younger getting adult teeth in, but I would still say the average age is about six. So if it's a baby tooth that was naturally wanting to fall out anyway, that's not a big deal. Now, if they are two, three, and that tooth got knocked out from maybe a head cut from another little toddler friend, or they fell and hit um, their mouth off the coffee table and a baby tooth pops out, with baby tooth, we baby teeth, I should say, we do not reimplant those. The issue becomes that if we try to shove that baby tooth back down in there, then you can actually severely damage the adult tooth um, underneath it. Um, so if a baby tooth does come out or, you know, you're just concerned, is this a baby tooth? What's an adult tooth? I don't know. Um, contact your pediatric dentist. And I know that I do virtual consults. I actually just started doing virtual consults. So you can actually send a picture um, and I can record a response and let you know, oh, that looks like that's a baby tooth. Here's what to do. Um, usually in that case, if a baby tooth does come out early, like around two or so, I get there's not much to do. We're not going to put it back in. But um, the kids are just going to have to kind of take it easy in that area as far as eating soft foods and not trying to mess around area too much. Now, if they're eight, nine, 10, and they knock out an adult tooth, that's a completely different story. That needs to go into milk. Um, if you don't have milk, say you're out at the soccer field. There's this thing called Hank's Allen Salt Solution, which sometimes some arenas and, um, you know, fields, uh, playing fields will have a lot of times they don't. So if all else fails, this is going to sound really gross, but try to gently, very gently, just wipe off the top part of the tooth, like the part that you actually normally see in the mouth. And then if you have nothing else to put it in, put it either in your mouth or in the kid, like literally just sitting there, um, kind of in the cheek so that it stays wet with um, saliva. Um, water is my last recommendation because that can actually accelerate kind of the breakdown of the tooth. So I'd rather it be sitting in someone's mouth. I know it sounds gross, especially if it was like in the middle of a muddy soccer field. But, um, <laughs> you know, follow sales, that's what you have. Um, if you can't reimplant it, 
um, ideally we would try to find that tooth and the adult tooth and put it back up in that socket. But if you're not able to have it sit in um, your cheek or their kid's cheek until you get to a hospital or um, your pediatric dentist who can then re-implant it for you. Um, the big thing is time with that. So after about an hour, you get really into that point where uh, this probably isn't going to fare very well. Now, I still typically try to reimplant it, even if it's after an hour. Um, but the, um, the longevity of that tooth staying in there, you know, dwindles with every passing minute after an hour. Um, it's really an urgency to get to the hospital or get to your pediatric dentist. Okay. And the second portion I had was, um, like you, you'd kind of mentioned, like if you like on a coffee table or there's like a trip and fall and the tooth doesn't, the tooth doesn't get knocked out, mm -hmm. but basically they, they hit their lip, obviously causing a little trauma to the tooth. And then there ends up being some discoloration. Do they need to see the dentist? Uh, you know, what would be the kind of follow up with that? Is there x-rays? What is kind of the, the, you know, outlook for discoloration after a trauma? Sure. I actually just had this last night and um, one of my patients, the mom, did a virtual consult with me and were able to figure it out just that way. Um, but I would say um, if you see it wiggling a little bit, a lot of times that tooth will get a little bit wiggly after obviously a trauma like that. Um, and then potentially down the line, it can discolor. Now, discoloration in and of itself is not an issue. It's discoloration along with um, severe pain or swelling or an abscess that ends up being an issue. But nonetheless, if and when you see that discoloration, definitely give your pediatric dentist a call. Um, we'll figure out if you need to come in, if there's any x-rays that we need to do. If the kiddo is two or really young, it's very, very difficult, almost impossible to get x-rays on them at that point. So we often kind of just use um, a triage system and play it by ear, continue to monitor because um, there's not much to do about the discoloration. It's almost like a bruise on the tooth. Um, but we always want you to follow up with your pediatric dentist so that we can have kind of like a baseline and then we can keep our eye on it for every six months when they come in for their checkup is, you know, we can tell are the gums getting red and irritated and puffy um is this tooth really super loose still even a year down the line um i think the big thing is just following up with your pediatric dentist and not panicking because this coloration is i don't want to say normal but that happens a lot with these traumas and a lot of times like i said there's nothing to do about it and that tooth will be just fine until it falls out naturally but just following up with the pediatric dentist you said something about x-rays and I'm going to go back to another question. So people have, a lot of families have fluoride fear and they also have a fear of x-rays. Mm -hmm. How often do you do x-rays as a pediatric dentist? Is it on a routine basis? Um, so everyone does it a little bit differently, but in my office, our baseline is about when back adult molars start to come in, which is about six years old is when we um, really start thinking about taking those inside of the mouth x-rays, those bite wing x-rays, we call them. Now there are plenty of kids do we take x-rays sooner than that, that either one have really tight spaces or tight teeth in there, tight contacts, we call them. And I can't literally see all around the tooth to ensure that there's no cavity because teeth are just sitting right up against each other. So sometimes I'll take x-rays as young as four and a half if I'm 
not able to see in between those teeth. And, you know, I might be concerned that there's something going on in between those teeth. Um, also, um, kids who are younger than six or so without adult teeth in there, if obviously I see a black spot or a brown spot or something that looks indicative of dental decay, then I'm going to try to take an x-ray if I feel like they can handle taking one in office. Um, obviously, you know, <laughs> adults have tough times getting those x-rays done. So um, we always kind of just uh, judge based on the individual child. And then, of course, if they come in after a trauma, we're going to want to get uh, x-rays again if they if we think that they can handle getting that x-ray. If they're two and we think that there's no way we're going to be able to get it in there, then we have to use our best professional judgment as to what's going on and the, um, the steps to take from there. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Have you heard about the terrible twos or three-nagers? Yes, the toddler years can be tough. There is no denying that any phase of parenting can be really hard. There may be picky eating, tantrums, and struggles with potty training. But there is a lot of amazing things that you will see your toddler do during these years. I want you to enter the toddler years understanding toddler development and behavior so you can better approach tricky situations with your child. With resources on picky eating, potty training, tantrums, and other common toddler behavior like sleep refusal and toddler development, the toddler resources here at Peds Doc Talk aim to provide you with the knowledge you need to, dare I say, find some or a lot of enjoyment in the toddler years. For more on my on-demand courses, make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and check out resources for whatever you need. Have a friend? It also makes a perfect gift. Visit pedsdoctalk.com and click courses for more. So obviously, you as a pediatric dentist do a lot of procedural activity, right? Obviously, you're in the child's mm-hmm. mouth, you're teaching, you are using many different, obviously, necessary tools to do your job. How you know, now we're going to get into this kind of, this kind of segment where we're talking about how parents can help us as a dentist and pediatrician do our job. So what can a parent do in the office to help you do your job? So the biggest thing, well, one of the biggest things I would say is preparation and using positive words to prep the kids. Not a, oh, I hate going to the dentist too, but we just have to do it. That's not positive. Uh, more of a, oh, this is the doctor for your mouth. We're going to count and we're going to check and we're going to brush. You know, using positive words that set your child up for going in there and having a great experience. Um, now, if it's for a procedure as in like getting a filling taken care of or things like that, 
My um, biggest suggestion would be if you don't know how to prepare your child and they're asking you questions, seriously, give your pediatric dentist a call and we'll tell you how to explain it to them because we don't want to say, oh, you're not going to get sleepy juice, we call it, for the numbing medicine. And then I end up having to give them sleepy juice and they're freaking out because someone lied to them, you know? Um, so uh, definitely give us a call if you don't know how to explain it. But uh, positivity is going to be the best thing. And uh, it depends on your child. Some kids like more details. Some kids don't. You know your child the best as to if they do better with knowing the details or if they do best with, oh, we're just going to go visit Dr. Aaron and she's just going to brush. And some kids are like, okay, great. So uh, you know your child the best. But prepping, you can even, there's a great, really, really good Daniel Tiger episode about going to the dentist and get this spot on. Like it is actually pretty amazing how spot on it is. So I highly recommend doing videos like that. I think there's one with Peppa Pig also when she goes to the dentist. Um, there's so many books out there that you can use to prep. Um, like I said, even if you don't like going to the dentist, don't show that fear or anxiety to your kid because they pick up on that in a heartbeat. Um, so use these tools to help you explain and get them prepared positively for, for their experience. And it will go well. Our anxieties definitely go to our children. Absolutely. I mean, right now we are recording this during the COVID-19 pandemic. So if you're listening to it during that or after, it is 100% that they sense that energy. They sense that, oh, mommy, daddy, or whoever is just not in a, you know, in, a, in a calm state. And if you as an adult are afraid of the dentist, afraid of the doctor, or whoever it may be, that child's going to pick up on it. And you said that, you know, that fear that when you're driving to that place, you're already causing yourself to be in dread that, oh my gosh, my child's going to throw a tantrum is going to be awful. Don't think that, like think that it's going to be this awesome experience because, you know, one thing that I think <clears throat> a lot of parents are losing is that going to the doctor, going to the dentist, these are all needed things. It should not be a threat. It should not be a, well, you misbehaved. I'm going to take you to the pediatrician and they're going to give you a shot. Exactly. I'm going to take you to the dentist and they're going to give you the, the numbing gas. Like that, we should exactly. not be looked at as a threatening figure. We should be looked at as this figure that's helping your children. We're the help, we're helpers, exactly. right? And I, I see that, you know, and in the office, it'll be like, well, you know, if you don't, if you don't behave, the doctor's going to do this. And I'm like, no, no. And I actually call parents out because I'm like, no, 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 please don't make us the bad guy. No one has to be a bad guy in this situation. There's other ways to discipline a child than threats. It does is create this sort of fear that I don't want to go to this lady or this guy because they're going to give me this needle or give me this procedure. And that's terrifying to a kid because that's not what we're here for. We're here to help you if your tooth falls out, if you're exactly. sick, if you, you know, to keep you healthy with vaccines. So I, I'm, you know, I know exactly. this is obviously not dental health, but this is just how a parent can help their kid be better in the medical system, you know, because eventually they're going to have to go and do it alone. Yeah, exactly. Because here's the thing. You said the thing about, ah, be good or the doctor's going to give you a shot. I hear so many times, uh, be good or you better brush your teeth or you're going to get them all yanked out. So then what happens or like, ah, be good and brush your teeth or you're going to get tens and thousands of cavities and you're going to have to get a shot and get them all drilled and filled. So then what happens if they do get a cavity and they need to get it filled? Now they're freaking out because you once told them that that is a terrible thing and it's going to be awful. 
And that just doesn't set them up for success. And like you said, in life in general, that doesn't set them up for success. So um, we have to be really um, choosy in the words that we use using uh, positive words. To get them. And I think, you know, scare tactics are very, I mean, I know a lot of parents who do scare tactics, you know, because one time they just want the, the behavior to end. So they're like, okay, just, mm-hmm. if you don't do this, just, you know, stop talking, da, da, da. And also the parents mm-hmm. kind of scare too in a way, right? Like you said, they're fearful. So, you know, I, I can, yeah. att- I mean, again, I, I can attest to that. Like when I go to obviously Ryan's two month visit or vaccine appointments, I obviously am not terrified. I know what to expect and I know, you know, obviously I'm a pediatrician, so of course I know, but I don't react in any way. I just go in mm-hmm. and everyone's like, wow, he's so calm. I'm like, it's because mama's calm. It's because exactly. I'm not panicking because I know it's a necessity. I know that it's, exactly. it's the, the best interest of a child, whether it's at the dentist or the doctor, that we're doing this to help. And I think that sort of mentality needs to come out more in parenting because we there is that fear and that sort of, well, oh my, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the bad guy and I don't want my kid to be upset and Look, everyone, they're going to be upset whether we're, we do everything they want or not. It's the reality. Exactly. It's like, exactly. It's like giving them that book that you give a mouse a cookie, right? Like they're going to keep wanting something. Yep. So we have to set loving boundaries. And I, you know, I know we're getting into parenting, but I really think it's important on a dental talk mm-hmm. to talk about it because so much of dental health has to do with parenting, brushing, exactly. going to these visits. It's not just like, oh, easy breezy. It takes time. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, um, people ask all the time, oh, how do you do pediatric dentistry? I'm like, the kids are, are great. It's prepping the parents <laughs> for the, um, for what might happen. You know, it's just, it's something that we have to know that this has to be done, like you said. And, um, we have to have that positivity going in. I, so many times I have parents who, the kiddo might cry, which, listen, guys, they might cry during their first visit. They're little. They don't really understand who this new person is, what's going on. That's okay. I mean, toddlers cry when they do anything that they don't want to do. So it, it, it might happen and they're going to be okay. Like that's just their response to doing something that they don't necessarily want to do at that minute. That's what we have to do. And I have so many parents who will say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But what are you sorry about? You're, ha- you're helping your kid be healthy. You're setting them up for future success. So that's nothing to be sorry about. It's, a, again, choosing those words and knowing that um, we talked about this before, that things aren't always going to be picture perfect. We're in this society where, you know, ah, oh, Johnny went to his first instance visit. It was perfect. Let me put it on Instagram, which is great to show, you know, friends and family that, great, he did awesome. But you don't have to compare yourself to that. If you're another parent who is expecting to have your child do perfect and not one little tear and they're one year old, then, um, you know, that might be an issue. You want to go in with that positivity, but know that things might happen where they might squirm. They might have a little tear roll down their teeth, but they are okay. You have to know that you're doing everything in their best interest. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, and you said that, you know, you have families come in and apologize. I get that too. And it's like, 
I always say, why are you apologizing? This is normal. I think, right. and you said that probably perfectly, that the fact that people see on social media or their friends who always want to talk about the good, people rarely talk about what's really happening, right? And as a pediatrician, I can tell you exactly. that not all toddlers are angels and it's normal <laughs> and it's normal. Like, of course, exactly. he's not going to want to come to the doctor all the time. Like, and so like exactly. that tells you that, yeah, my kid was perfect. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. But yes. It is the norm and common. What's not normal is that a family has this sort of reaction with the kid and then they don't work on ways to improve it for next time or the future. I don't care if your child loses their mind one or two times, three times, but if you just let that behavior go and say, okay, this is what it's Mm -hmm. going to be, that's different. But if you are actually modeling and trying, oh my gosh, that's all we need. A a parent that tries. That's all I want. (laughs) That's all. Exactly. And that's exactly. Oh man. It's true. I know. Ideally, if that were to happen in the office, they don't have a great visit. Because let's be honest, it happens. Um, You know, the biggest thing is going home and making a positive out of it. Like, hey, here's what Dr. Aaron said we can work on and making a positive. And you would be surprised how many kids are so excited the next time to show how much they've grown and how much of a big girl or a big boy they are. Like, they are so excited to show that they can do it. Um, and that makes them happy that they're, you know, brave and strong. And then that makes you happy. And it's, it's great. Um, the, like you said, I think the toughest part is just letting it continue and not necessarily working on what can, both with the actual dental brushing and um, certain behaviors too, but that's a whole other, whole other story. But um, the biggest thing is just working on what can be improved. Awesome. No, it's, it's so, so important because I want these kids to have good habits from the beginning, not be afraid Mm -hmm. and love coming to the dent. I I love going to the dentist. I love going to the doctor. And it's because I had a mother who was like, this is what we're going to do. It's a fun thing. And, you know, we give stickers. I'm not sure if you give any sort of thing, but, you know, probably not like candy, but but yes. (laughs) Sugar-free lollipops for sure. (laughs) So Dr. Garen, thank you so much for joining us on the call. Is there anything else you wanted to add before, you know, closing statements, closing advice for any, you know, obviously anyone who's listening right now? Um, I would say if you're in search of a pediatric dentist, um, one big thing you can do is grab a few names that you're interested in in your area and just give them a call. See if they allow you to come in for, we call it like a pre-visit, where you can literally just schedule a time for the kids to come in and just tour the office, play in the play area, um, not um, necessarily like pick up the instruments and stuff like that, but they can see the area where they get their teeth cleaned in, um, see the people who work there. So then when they do actually come in for their visit, they're like, oh, I remember this place. It's not too bad. Um, and... I would also say try to, if you can, gauge um, what type of office might fit your child's personality better. Like I said, my office is more boutique. So we have, so I um, actually, a parent just sent me a video of a kiddo from last week or two weeks ago who came in who dad recorded at breakfast. Like, we're going to see Dr. Aaron today. And she was like, yes, like so excited. But like you, that can happen as we all the things we talked about, but also finding the right fit for you. And it might take, you know, a dentist or two to find it, but they're out there. So you can definitely find it. Um, But just gauge, ask your friends. Um, 
you know, you can go based on um, health reviews and things like that too, but ask your friends and your family who they take their kids to. And you'll find that kids, some kids do just fine in the offices that are tons and tons of kids, uh, you know, running around. That's not our office. That's not the vibe that I wanted in my office. Um, so there's a certain type of parent and patient that comes into my office and it works out perfect. So book in that office that's right for you. That is great advice. Thank you. And again, if if you are interested in more about pediatric dental health, even if you're not, by the way, because she's just awesome, uh, you should follow her at <laughs> doctor, so D-R underscore E-R-I-N on Instagram. And yep. Aaron, Dr. Aaron and I, we actually met in person. So I can attest to the uh-huh. fact that not only is she awesome on Instagram, but she's awesome in real life, which is even, even more amazing to follow someone that you can vouch for. So I, I loved having this conversation with you. I'm sure we'll have tons more on podcast episodes and then off, off podcast episodes too. But thank you. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, please leave a review, share it with a friend, comment on my social media. And if you're not already, follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram. Love doing this for all of you. Have a great rest of your week. Take care. Talk to you soon. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.